This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotatonetwork.com. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. Give it a get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Welcome to the Cosmic Potato Quarantine Special. My name is Sean Ray, and as an introvert, I've been training for this my entire life. <laughs> Let me introduce everybody that's here with me tonight. Rick, how are you, sir? I'm doing the song. Could you hear me through the mask? Virginia, how's it going? Uh, I haven't left my apartment in four days, so it's nice to talk to people. <laughs> and Chris is here as well. How's it going, sir? I am carrying the virus. Stay away. No, I'm not positive. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm podcasting through my sleeve, though. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, as far as we know, you cannot catch the virus over Skype. So <laughs> I think we're safe tonight. So. But if any platform was to be able to do it, it would be Skype. <laughs> it would be Skype, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so we've been focusing most of our podcasting efforts uh, over the last couple months to covering the first season of P- Picard over on Star Trek All Access. Uh, I have released a couple of things on this feed over the last couple of months, you know, a couple of panels that I did at conventions and things. But we wanted to come together tonight and do a proper episode uh, this week because most of us are locked down at home. You know, We, we want to tell you guys kind of how we're spending our time during quarantine, uh, give you some recommendations of the, some things that we're watching and reading right now so that while you're waiting for the coronavirus crisis to, to be over, you can uh, you can just calm down, relax, and have some things to check out. So we're going to focus kind of on the uh, entertainment 
side of what's going on in the world right now. Because as Sebastian once said in The Little Mermaid, the human world is a mess. (laughs) (laughs) It's 2020 and already we've got a, basically we have a plague. Uh, Australia was on fire and, uh, you know, Kenny Rogers died today. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about a little bit about what's going on right now, because I'll tell you, I've never seen anything like what's going on right now. No, we, we've had, uh, virus infections go, uh, widespread before. But I've never seen something affecting the entire planet at one time the way this is right now. And uh, I know we post a lot of memes. You know, we make a lot of jokes, uh, gallows humor kind of stuff, I guess. But I really want to stress how serious of an issue this really is right now. So so are you guys all working from home right now? I mean, I know you've told me off mic, but we haven't said it on the show. But you guys are all working from home, right? Rick? I'm I'm not entirely sure yet. Uh, You know, I have I have my teaching duties, which yes, I can do from home. We haven't started that yet. Uh, We we uh, my school got an extra week of spring break, and then on the 30th we we are to resume teaching classes online. And this this class that I teach this semester can very easily be done online, so uh, that's not a problem. But the other part of my job involves physically building sets and stuff, uh, and um, as far as I know right now, after the 30th, I'm supposed to go back to work. I mean, it's not like I'm going to get fired if I don't, uh, yeah. but uh, I'm kind of, sort of, yeah. And to be honest, there are things that it's a lot easier to do when there aren't students around. They send all our students home. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it would just be faculty. In fact, only, in fact, at this point in time, only faculty or staff are allowed on campus. Students are forbidden from going on campus, so. Um, yeah, it's my, an interesting my daughter, time. My daughter's in college, but she's not banned from the campus because, she, I mean, she has a dorm. She's not staying there right now. She's staying here with us. But if she wants, and there's there's kids that live there that their families live out of state or whatever. And so some of them are, are staying on campus in the dorm. The cafeteria is still open right now. Yes, uh, yeah. Our, our students were not given that option. They It was... Our spring spring break, where we're, this would normally be the last weekend of our spring break, and they were told, if you were planning on staying here, no, <laughs> get yeah. out. They gave them like four or five days to to bug out, and uh, they're not allowed not allowed back on campus. We don't know if we're going to be going back at all this semester or not. Well, thankfully, Florida has shut down their beaches, so all Fucking, these kids, uh, yeah, all these kids that were just like, "I'm going on spring break, I'm going to Florida." Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> well, my my wife is a TSA agent, and yeah. the airport had been getting much quieter. And then, you know, maybe you guys have seen it uh, because you know it's been on the news. A bunch of these, pardon my French, but asshole, in, invincible, invulnerable. Teenagers like screw that! I've had these plans for months. I'm going to spring break, yeah, party! And yeah. finally, the governor had to say, "All right, now the beaches are closed." And you know, I, I took my daughter to the beach uh, yesterday, 
and we went to one of the more secluded beaches down here just because I've got to uh, – she's eight years old. I've got to get her out of the house every now and then. Mm-hmm. And so we went to one of the beaches that's, you know, it, there are no bars there. There's no clubs. It's just, you know, the plan was just to look for shells. But, of course, she ended up going in the water. Um, and it wasn't terribly crowded. We never got within 10 feet of another person. But you see all of these stories of these 18, 19, 20, well, you know, theoretically, they should be 21 or older, but they're not. Uh, who are like, they're not giving up their spring break and they don't care and they're not going to get the virus. And you look at the statistics and the majority of the people with the bug are 18 to 26 year olds. Mm-hmm. And they don't care that they're bringing it to other people. Uh, and so yeah, finally the yeah, governor had to shut the damn state down. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I wanted to stress. And Chris and Virginia, I'm going to let you guys talk too. But, <laughs> uh, but since Rick brought that up, uh, social distancing is the only thing really that we can, that we can do to change things. And I want to stress how important it is because I've seen a lot of people, uh, friends of mine online and kids that I've seen on the news and stuff saying this, if I want to go out, then that's on me. You know, it, that's my decision. And if I get sick, then, then it, it, then that's my decision. The thing is, there isn't a cure for coronavirus. It's, it's a virus. If you get it, you know, you basically have to let it run its course and hope for the best. But the best thing to do is to stay at home. Y- yes, if you go out and you get sick or whatever, yes, you made that decision. But say you go to Florida. Say you catch the virus there. You're not showing any symptoms. It takes between five days and two weeks for you to even show any symptoms when you catch this. Then you come home and you contaminate your house you get your mom catches it your mom goes to visit your grandmother your grandmother catches it your grandmother dies from it you know all that would have been avoided if you just stayed home and didn't go to the beach or whatever so social distancing is not to protect yourself from catching it that's only part of it it's also to protect all of the other people out there from catching it from you because you give it to one person, they give it to two people, they give it to two people, and you know, Wayne's World, and so on, and so on, and so on. It's just the way it works. That's how things spread. And if we stay home and stop spreading it as much, then we flatten the curve, you know. Um, Chris, you're in the medical field, so you can't really work from home, right? No, um... It's funny because New York State just announced the governor basically said if you're a non-essential service, you have to stay home. 100% workforce reduction starting Monday. Um, we're exempt. My wife is a nurse. She works in the hospital. She's taken care of corona patients already. So she's been exposed even though she's got the universal precautions and the negative pressure rooms and the N95 mask and the gloves and the hairnet, the whole nine. But the fact of the matter is she's been exposed. Um, so that means I've been exposed and I work in a clinical setting um, most days of the week. So I see patients all week long um, and I try to keep as sterile as possible. But it's weird. It's it's like we really haven't been that affected by it because we're still going to work like we always do. All the kids are home from school, but we don't have kids. So the only thing that's really different is that we when we're not working, do stay in the house. And um, I have not seen my family for weeks and weeks because I don't want to – if I'm carrying it or – look, I've been exposed. I don't want to be a danger to them just like you said, Sean. It's not about me. My parents are you know, 60, 70 years old, 
who knows? You know, mm-hmm. they're yeah. they're the vulnerable. Uh, so that's the, you, you got to think about the other people around you. And the most interaction I've had, aside from my my, you know, my coworkers is walking my dog around my neighborhood and people across the street just, you know, given like the wave, the distant wave. We don't stop and talk like we used to. The dogs, we don't let the dogs sniff each other like we used to. It's just everybody's staying in their lane. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it, it. I think it's a good thing, but they're giving like these arbitrary two-week deadlines. Like, okay, but in two weeks we're going to reopen or, or this or that. It's going to be a six-month process at, on the outside. So I don't know how long this is going to go on and how sustainable it's going to be. It's just it, it like you said, it's like nothing we've ever seen. And to have a complete shutdown of New York City, basically, I mean, we're one step away from invoking martial law. So, uh, you know, I'm, I don't mean to be alarmist or, or to raise a panic. I think that we're actually doing the right thing. And if I don't have to go to work, I stay inside. I think everybody should be doing that just for, the you know, this, the sake of the safety of everyone. But. Where 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 are we going to go from here? It's just it's just a weird weird time, man. Oh yeah, you know I had a a, a meeting last week because uh, unrelated to all of this, our departmental secretary got a promotion, and now we're without one. And so I had to go have a meeting to learn how to process receipts until we get a new secretary to handle this. Uh, which then we get the word that the the president has put a hiring freeze on the college until all of this blows over and uh you know i went to have a meeting with the with this guy in the business office and we you know we communicated on on you know through emails and stuff but had never actually met and we're both like yeah i'd shake your hand but we're not supposed to now and it was just really awkward as hell yeah <laughs> yeah bump elbows <laughs> not even that it was just like well you away from this side of your desk you away from that side it, it's just it's it's putting this whole new weird spin on any sort of social interaction, and it, it's it's a it's a whole new world, and it's it's just weird. <laughs> yeah, Virginia, what about you? Um, I uh, live here in Texas, and I work for a state agency that deals with a lot of healthcare workers. So we're being extremely cautious and very busy. I'm lucky that I can work from home. They just um, strongly they haven't sent down the official word that you must work from home but they're strongly encouraging anyone who can work from home to work from home so i started that wednesday of this week for the foreseeable future we have no idea you know when it'll be safe to go back to work or anything um on a on a different note i'm kind of terrified because i don't know if i, I don't know if i announced this on this show but my stepdaughter is pregnant um, she's six months pregnant and this is a really scary time to be having a baby, a yeah. really scary time. Mm. Um, I was just telling Shane earlier, Shane, my boyfriend, um, that until this point I had been concerned, you know, is she at more, um, at more risk for contracting it? What happens if she does contract it? What does that mean for her baby? If she does, it had not even occurred to me until today, like, once she goes into labor late June, early July, is there going to be room at the hospital for her to go there and have a baby? Like what kind of, what sort of extreme is this going to end up going to? So it's like, it's just, 
I was telling, I think I was telling y'all the other day, it's just banana town. It's bananas. I don't even know how to process some of this. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the whole point of, of the, 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 the uh, self-isolation is not necessarily to stop the spread of the disease, but to slow it down enough so that hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Right. Yeah, because right. Italy, Italy is uh, ahead of us in the pandemic. They've, I mean, they've had thousands of people die from this already, and um, they're basically having to use, they're having to commandeer hotels to use as hospitals, you know, and stuff. And, you know, they've they've run out of places to put people. So anyway. now let let let's stress something though, because uh, you know, especially if you're like in my demographic. Um, I had a, a doctor's appointment last week that, you know, it was a, it was a, a follow-up that had been booked three months ago. And I had a bit of a cough, and I tried to call in and say, hey, you know, I've got a bit of a cough. Maybe I shouldn't come in. And they're like, no, no, no. If you don't get in now, it's going to be two or three months before we can see you. Yeah. And so mm. I went in, and, you know, they gave me a mask when I got there, and I'm totally fine with, you know, okay, masks don't protect you. They keep you from infecting somebody else. Okay, let's just yeah. get that out there right now. Uh, unless you're wearing like a full respirator, you know, the the mask the mask you can get at Home Depot don't protect anybody. They're just for dust. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Um, but like the, the surgical mask that keeps you from spreading your crap to somebody else. It doesn't really protect you from anything else coming in. No, there, there um, is a there is a type of mask that does protect you. Uh, there is, but you're you're not going to get them. <laughs> Um, you know, if you, well, okay. Yeah. If you know about that and you get those fine, good luck finding them. Um, but you know, at my doctor's office, they've, they've done this ever since I've gone there, but now they're even more strict about it. Um, you know, if you're coughing, they want you to wear a mask so you don't get them sicker than they have to be. Um, and so I, you know, I put on the mask and I went in and I saw my doctor and he checked me out and then he's like, you know, you just, you have allergies now. Congratulations. Welcome to the rest of the world. Yay. Um, but I said, you know, I'm, I'm 55 years old. And I said, I'm a little worried. And he said, I'm, he I'm otherwise healthy. I'm in good shape. If I get this, in, if I get this virus, odds are I'm going to hate life for a couple of days, but that's going to be it. It's not a death sentence if you get it. Unless you're already immune compromised, very old, or have some other respiratory problem, you know, and not just allergies. If you're if you're already like really sick, so a lot of people are asymptomatic with it, and and I'm I'm just saying this because we I we don't I don't there's enough fear and misunderstanding out there already. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have it and, and never manifest any symptoms. Most of the people that get it, it's the symptoms are relatively mild. Uh, it's you know it's it's not you know it's no fun. It's a it's it's a it's kind of like the flu and it's and it's uh, effects. Um, you know, keep an eye out for fever, dry cough, and body aches. Those are kind of the three main tell tells for coronavirus. If you get those things, go get tested. If if you've got a fever that you cannot control with Tylenol or ibuprofen and the ibuprofen thing has not, there, there's a lot of panic 
being spread around about ibuprofen being bad if you if you've got coronavirus. That is not a for sure thing either. There's some indication that it might not be the best thing. France's uh, health minister put out a really irresponsible tweet about ibuprofen earlier this week that has got people freaking out. Um, you know, if you have a fever that cannot be controlled by Tylenol or Motrin or something like that, then yes, go get go to the doctor. But if all you've got if you've got a cough and you've got a fever but it's under control and your you know your symptoms are, are relatively mild and you're dealing with them, stay home. Just stay away from other people. Don't flood the ER because you've got a cold. Yeah. Yeah, and let me stre- let me stress this too, that because a lot of uh, laboratories and stuff are setting up these uh, drive-through testing centers and stuff like that. If you don't have these symptoms, don't go get tested. Yeah, don't waste because their time. They're there. I went. I took my wife to one of these places because she actually was showing symptoms the other day. She doesn't have it, but um, they had 500 testing kits. Had 2,000 people show up. You know, yeah. uh, and in Alabama, the entire state. We've had about uh, 75 people, I think, that's tested positive. So, obviously, not all those people that were in line had symptoms. They just, I need to go find out if I got the corona, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. So, But I want to talk about some of the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, 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 okay, this is going to be... I need a t-shirt that says this. Before we go on, I would just like to stress, I am not a medical professional, and uh, I my, my advice is strictly uh, my own opinion uh, based on what I've read. So your mileage may vary. Okay. <laughs> I want I want to talk about uh, some of the entertainment stuff. So uh, Tom Hanks got coronavirus. Uh, We're Idris all going to die! Oh. <laughs> Idris Elba got it. Daniel Day Kim, uh, if you know him, he was on Hawaii Five-0. He was on Lost. Uh, he has it. All the entertainment venues basically are closed. So bowling alleys are closed. Movie theaters, for the most part, are closed. There's some drive-ins that are closed. And there's there's a knucklehead that owns a movie theater about 10 miles from here that's staying open because he's like, well, I can just sell less tickets and make sure that you guys don't sit within six feet of each other. Yeah, but you also can't serve food <laughs> because nobody's allowed to eat food on the premises. So, uh, yeah, you can go watch a movie, but you can't eat popcorn. So... That's fun. Um, but uh, some of the movie companies like Universal, uh, they release some of their movies early on VOD. You know, the stuff that's still showing in theaters like Emma, The Invisible Man, Trolls 2 is all available on demand. Now, it's going to cost you $20 to watch it, but it's oh. there. I'm wondering because, you know, they've talked for a while about setting up some system where you can watch on demand, you can watch stuff that's in the theater and pay like a premium price for it. And I'm wondering if all this is going to just get that started, you know, for, force the movie companies to start doing something like that because it may be six months before people start going to the theaters again. And you're going to have, you're going to start getting into a uh, blockbuster season and stuff and they don't want to pass up all that uh, money. You know, they're already, uh, they put off Black Widow. Black Widow was supposed to kind of tent pole their summer season, and now they're putting it off for I don't know how long. You know, and, the fall. And Bond Twenty Five too. No yeah, time to yeah. die. Yeah. 
so uh, so obviously they're going to have to do something because to to recoup some of that some of that money. So some of that stuff may be available for you to watch at home if you want to pay twenty dollars to watch it. I uh, I was not down with this until they announced that they may be releasing Wonder Woman straight to video, and I was like, all right, I'll pay twenty bucks for that. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wonder Woman. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, onward, it got released on. VOD ahead of schedule. Uh, Disney also released The Rise of Skywalker a week or two ago, I think. When that, when all this started, they went ahead and released it on demand. Uh, Frozen 2, they went ahead and released it on Disney+. Plus. I watched it last night. That's a pretty good movie. We've had the DVD for two weeks now. Yeah. Fortunately, not... it's only played once. <laughs> so... <laughs> the, the songs are not as catchy as the first one, but the, I thought the story was pretty darn good. I liked it. Um. Also, uh, you say on, onward is is out on. Do you do you know what platform? It's on. It's video on demand. I think it's available on Amazon, uh, it, Google, and it's going to cost you about twenty bucks. Yeah, I know Sharon wants to see that. But but if you wait until the beginning of April, I think Disney Plus is going to go ahead and put it out the beginning of April. So okay, if you have Disney Plus, you'll just you'll be able to watch it on there. And I won't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a lot of uh, other services that are offering some free stuff, uh, so that you'll have things to do while you're uh, while you're quarantined. Like uh, the Paris Opera is screening some performances for free. Uh, Broadway HD, which is a streaming service that shows Broadway musicals and plays and stuff, they're offering a seven day free trial. Uh, after that, I think it's like nine dollars a month or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's 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 comparable to uh, to Netflix. Uh, yeah. It's it's like eight ninety nine. Um, I hadn't really paid much attention to it, but now I may use it for class purposes. The Met, I, Chris. I know you you go to the Met a lot. They're they're offering uh, not this year. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're closed. But, they canceled uh, my whole season. Those bastards. But they're offering some some free shows streaming on their website. Yeah, basically so. what they did was dig into their live and HD catalog, and they're showing a different opera every night for free, which is which is pretty amazing. And I've watched a couple of them already, and it's nice. To at least have that to turn to. I know that everybody copes in their own way and we all have our sort of like our comfort food. And just to know that like I can watch Traviata one night because it's on. And, you know, it's a production that I saw last year. So I feel like I'm there and it's 1% problems. I know my opera season was canceled, but still it's, it's, it's a nice gesture for them for them to to give that out to the public and they've gotten like a huge response like you'd think that opera is a dead sort of art form because it's really not on any, on anybody's radar but but mine in in my experience <laughs> and um it it's it's like going like gangbusters for them like they've they've had a huge positive response to it so i'm i'm that's very very happy that that they're a, doing that i tell you what as as a theater professional i'll tell you that since I started in the theater when I was 16, which was back in the prehistoric days, uh, and, and this applies to opera too, um, supposedly the live performing arts have been dying <laughs> and uh, you know attendance is at a, a, an all-time record low and our subscriber base is, is dying off 
as you know the younger people aren't coming. But you know what? I've been hearing this for literally forty years. Um, theater and opera and performance are one of the most basic drives of humanity, and I think I, and I'm I'm glad to hear what you're saying. Because it just proves every, every time we have these these doomsday conversations about about and I've had these over and over and over again with my students and with my colleagues and stuff. Everybody's like, oh, the, the theater is dying. People only just want spectacle and, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But you're you're what you just said proves that if you if you build it, they will come. You know, the, the, the this is one of the most basic needs of humanity is to express and to perform and to watch and uh this a lot of entertainment people are are getting really hit hard by this situation yeah um uh, you know a lot of my friends uh, you know i have a very um i hate to say very unique because i hate when people put a uh just say it rick it's okay well, no, just space. very, very unique is a, is grammatically wrong. <laughs> Something. Oh, then I'm going. No, then I'm going. I'm going to flog you, sir. <laughs> Find the right word. Um, <laughs> I, I have a, a an unusual position in theater. I have a steady gig with a salary. Uh, that is not something that you find a lot in theater. Um, most of the people I know, most of my friends, they they live gig to gig, and gigs have been canceled. Uh, I, one of my one of my dearest friends uh, owns his own production company and saw his entire year's income dry up in three weeks. Yeah. Be, um, he, you know, the restaurant business is is equally hit. Uh, you know, maybe even more so because there's probably more of them. Um, and so, they're to, well, they're having to get very creative of finding ways to get food to people. You know, uh, curbside service and delivery mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, but they the wait to... staff isn't involved in that. And, no, yeah, you true. Know, like, I have true. a dear friend who's a sommelier who she's SOL right now. Um, but I'm glad to hear that through this all, there is still a market for the consumption of this stuff, and that people yeah. are watching, and that 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 tells me that this is not. Uh, that, that people can see, you know, uh, people always say they, they, they blow off the arts as if it's unimportant until you take it away from them. Right. Um, well, here's here's the yeah. thing. I mean, I mean, the opera, especially the Met, they're always crying poverty, yet they have like the most expensive program oh, dude. in, the, in the, the Met. They have the more opera money than world. God. <laughs> yeah, but but to them, they don't. And it just shows you that everything is relative and the arts have always needed patrons. Uh, right yeah. from, you know, like Mozart needed a patron, Beethoven needed a patron. They, it was never a self-sustaining proposition. Right. It was always something by the grace of somebody's, you know, generosity and interest in it. And what gives me hope with this is that maybe, you know, some younger people or some people that weren't turned on to it will be turned on to it. And it sort of builds an audience for the future. Um Here's one thing that I would love to see, Rick, because it's like you said, the people that are affected by this, and I hate to go down this call to sec. I'm sorry, Sean. I don't know it's a science fiction yeah, show, yeah, but, yeah. but they laid off, the Met laid off their their union employees, which are basically the the orchestra, the you know, the um stagehands mm-hmm. and the chorus singers. 
All right. So it's not it's not like contract singers, the big ones, you know, even though their their season is shot, too. But and here's what they said to the season ticket holders. They said you can either get a refund. You can put the money that you have that we're not going to be able to use this year towards your next year subscription or to different shows next year. Or you can donate it to the house. You can donate it to the Met. And what I want to say to them is I will gladly donate it to the Met. But are you going to set aside a fund for the million people that you just laid off? Or is this going to go to your bullshit endowment? Yeah. It's like there there are countless people that that now are out of a job for the rest of the year. If I give my money back to the Met because I love to support that art form, can I guarantee that it goes to the people who are hit hardest by this? Mm-hmm. You know, so I wish that we would see a little bit more on that end. But again, that's that's just something I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. So take the opportunity. I mean, since you're. A lot of people working from home. A lot of people are laid off right now. Take this opportunity to watch some stuff that you wouldn't normally watch. You know, uh, expose yourself to something that you wouldn't normally be exposed to. Read a book. Listen to some podcasts like the ones you'll find at CosmicPotato.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's and you know the stuff that I named off is just the tip of the iceberg. If you go to Google and just Google stuff that's available for free during quarantine, there's uh, cooking classes, there's virtual museum tours, there's exercise programs, story times for kids, all kinds of stuff are being offered. So just Google that, see what's uh, for free. Uh, and and there may be some stuff that might be a, a small fee or something like that. Or just keep checking the fa- our Facebook group because as I see stuff, I'm trying to post it uh, where you'll you'll be able to take advantage of it. But yeah, if, um, if you if, of, if, sorry, go ahead. If you draw a salary, if you are not an hourly worker, if your livelihood has not been taken away by this situation, and you can help someone else who has, please do. Yeah, Virginia, what were you gonna say? Um, you know, if money, if you're looking for things for either you or your kids to do, money is tight. Of course, um, people are being laid off and whatnot. Um, if your kids or you have a library card, um, that can give you access to lots of books, I think movies as well through an app. Most likely, if Mm -hmm. you have your library card with you, you can probably sign up for that. Just uh, that's how I could do it for Austin public library. I just mm-hmm. type in the number that's on my card and create an account. Yep. Totally free, you know, maybe something to consider if your kid has like a tablet or whatever, just download that Libby app and let them go to town on reading kids' books. Yeah, yeah I think each library maybe have a different, the one in my library is Overdrive and I use it constantly. And there's also another one um, for movies, I forget, Hoopla, they call it. Mm. You know, and like, the, you know, it's kind of limited what you can get, but you can get pretty much any book you want. And if they don't have it, you can you can request it. Right. So it's 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 really a godsend, especially if you just want to take one tablet with you everywhere and just have an endless supply of literature at your fingertips. Uh, Virginia, that's an excellent, excellent way to go. Virginia, what have you been uh, watching while you're working from home? Um. Well, <laughs> I'm so predictable. Um, so the new season of Archer comes out May 6th. Um, so I've been kind of, you know, making my way back through that series. Um, I, if if our listeners haven't watched it, I would highly recommend it. But I would say 
you can probably get away with just watching with just watching uh, season <laughs> one through seven, skip eight, nine, and ten, except for maybe the last ten minutes of the last episode of season ten because it kind of sets up what's coming. Um, but without spoiling too much, eight, nine, and ten are kind of fantasy seasons that mm. don't make a whole lot of sense in the in the scheme of the overall story. Um, I want to talk to you about this. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs) No, the question I have for you is that I was a diehard Archer fan and season was eight, nine and ten. I kind of fell off during the the, the, when he was the sky pilot, when he was the the, like Tales of the Gold Monkey kind of season. Yes. And I wanted to watch the, you know, Archer in Space season. I just never got around to it. But if you're telling me they're going to maybe sort of get back to. Um, back to square one. My understanding is that the events that happened at the end of season seven, where they were the uh, mm-hmm. the private detective agency, where he's falling that's in going the pool? to be re- yes, that's going to be resolved at the at. That's why I say watch the last ten minutes of the last episode from last cool. season cool, that cool, cool. kind of resolves itself. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I think because of that, they'll be going back into like the main story. Oh, I'll thank the maker. <laughs> the, <laughs> space, the space season wasn't that bad. I, I hated the danger Island season. The one you're talking about the monkey, mm. whatever. Um, I hated that season. Um, so the space season was a little better, but I still, you still don't need it to understand the, the bigger picture. I don't think. Cool. Okay. Anything else? Um, anything else? No. Well, I do have plans to watch. I would also say check out your favorite musical artists, um, to see if they're going to be doing some sort of live concert from their living room or something. I know the Indigo girls did one this past week and one of my favorites from the nineties, Mr. Garth Brooks will be doing a Facebook live concert Monday at 6 PM central. Um, he was taking requests over social media the other day. And I'm like, if friends in low places, isn't like the big finale, what are we even doing here? <laughs> um, well, I know, I know what Sherry's going to be doing. At 6 PM <laughs> central Monday. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's just trying my I have two younger sisters and a younger brother. My brother lives in Oregon. Um, he doesn't have any kids, but my two sisters have five kids between them and they're all 10 and under. So anytime I see anything that's remotely like, here's how you can occupy your children. Here's an activity for your children. I'm like, sisters, please write these down t- because they're their children are driving them nuts. Um, it's not their fault. It's not the kids' fault. It's not the parents' fault. It's just this weird situation we're all in. So I've been telling them, like the library thing, the Smithsonian is doing virtual tours. Um, Trolls War- World Tour um, is supposed to come out April 10th. My little nieces and nephews love Trolls. Um, and I think there was one other thing. Oh, the Netflix party thing where um, you can get yeah. like, a Google Chrome um, add-on or something like that where you can then watch Netflix movies and shows with people like 
across your social distancing network. Um, so like if I wanted to watch something with my sisters, we could just all log into this one thing and watch it together. And there's like a little chat function and everything. Um, so if you're social distancing and missing your friends, that might be a, another good option. Um, drive-ins are also apparently making a comeback, um, because you can just sit in your car and mm-hmm. watch movies. Um, so I mean, my, my time hasn't been so much. What am I watching or reading? It's more like, what am I trying to find to help people like get through the madness? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go through my list next because I've only been watching a couple of things. Uh, um, I watched uh, Knives Out the other night. Have you guys seen this movie? I want to see it. I've heard good things. Is it? How is it? I've only ever heard the title. What's it about? I really, really liked it. Yeah, I I, I knew the title. I didn't know what it was about when I watched it. But um, because I thought from the title that it was going to be some over-the-top action samurai kind of weird thing you know and uh it's actually a murder mystery and it it, it, it's got daniel craig jamie lee curtis don johnson it's got a bunch of people in it that you've seen uh ryan johnson directed it but it's uh it's kind of like murder on the orient express but but not as bad I, yeah. I really like I really like those old time uh, murder mystery stories, like Murder on the Orient Express. Even though I didn't really like that movie very much, and I'm talking about the most recent one. Yeah, it was uh, not as good as it should have been. Yeah, but when but it's the same kind of thing where they bring in a lot of stars to do this murder mystery, and but it's it's got a, a lot of tongue in cheek humor. Um, the basic premise is that at the beginning of the movie, the 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 old man that's the father of this very rich family uh he dies but he dies after a party where he had basically cut off all of his kids you know from for his will so all of his kids are suspect in this murder and uh and it just goes from there and then daniel craig is this uh colonel sanders foghorn leghorn type uh, (laughs) investigator and uh He's a uh, and but it's it's really good. I liked it, so I, I do recommend that. If out of five stars, I'd give it a solid four. It was really good. Um, I've also been watching Mr. Mercedes, which is a TV series that comes on the Audience Network, and I watched season one about a year or so ago, and they're actually up to season three now, and I didn't realize they had gotten that far, and so I, uh, I'm watching season two now, and. Uh, Chris, I know you did a, a, a Stephen King uh, podcast for a while. Have you seen Mr. Mercedes at all? No, I hadn't seen it and I haven't read it. Um, it was, I believe it was on our list of stuff to get to mm-hmm. that was going to possibly be related to the Castle Rock series on Hulu. But the podcast ended before we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's a good show. I like it. it the, the, the premise of the show is that Harry Treadaway, which we know from Star Trek Picard, uh, he plays Narek on Picard. And Penny Dreadful. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's on Penny Dreadful, too. Uh, first episode of season one, he runs over a bunch of people with his car. He kills a whole bunch of people. And it takes him like a year to catch him. And season two is about he's in a coma, but he's being given this experimental medicine that's basically letting him 
kind of psychically take over people's bodies so that he can continue his killing spree. And the detective that caught him uh, is now having to search for him, even though he knows his body is in the hospital. He's searching for him out there, uh, committing murders as other people and stuff. So it's uh, wait a minute. It, what what is this called? It's called Mister Mercedes. Okay. That's, it's called that because that's what they called him because he ran over a bunch of people with a with a with a Mercedes. Okay. And uh, and that was the name that he went by until he actually got caught. He, they called him Mr. Mercedes. It's based on a novel by Stephen King, okay. um, which I never read the novel, so I don't know if if it's one of these things like you know they did a they did a series of Under the Dome a while back. Under the Dome is a Stephen King novel that I really loved, but instead of doing a limited series and just doing the novel in 10 episodes or whatever, they did the novel in 10 episodes and then they decided, Oh, we're going to do season two. Mm-hmm. And so instead of ending it the way that they ended the novel, the way Stephen King ended the novel, they just like chopped off the ending and just continued and just kept going, you know? Uh, and I, I lost interest in it. And I think everyone else did because it ended up getting canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I recommend that show. It's on the Audience Network. Uh, you what what to, is the Audience Network? It's on. It's it's kind of like a Netflix kind of thing. It's online. I think you'd have to pay like five bucks a month to watch it. And I don't know what else is on there. That's the only thing on there that I watch. So there you go. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and I'm reading a book slowly because I've <gasps> gotten to the. I've gotten to the point where I fall asleep every time I read a page, you know. But, uh, Dude, audiobooks, that's the way to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The name of the book is The Minotaur Takes His Own Sweet Time by Stephen Shrill. My wife's opening the door. What? No, I'm not done yet. You okay? Hi, Sherry. Okay. Hey, Virginia says that Garth Brooks is going to be giving a free concert on Monday on Facebook. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Sherry and I have a hot date for Monday. She said, she said you and her have a hot date for Monday. <laughs> Thumbs up. And Virginia, I, I don't know if you just coined that phrase, but the, your social distancing network. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just captured our times. <sighs> well, I try. <laughs> hey, guys, hold on just a second. Let me, let me, I need to take a break for about two 20 seconds on Jinx it, it's the wife. <laughs> if it's 20 seconds, I can wash my hands in that time. That's right. <laughs> Sing happy birthday twice. What songs are y'all using? I'll be in there uh, 30 minutes. I just watched my movie. <laughs> oh, um, well, yeah, well, I no, did the I, Gilligan's Island theme for, for that meme thing that you could do. <gasps> I heard this oh, amazing thing about Gilligan's Island. What's that? Okay, so I've been listening to a podcast um, from the CBC called um, Undercover, and it's about satanic panic. And uh, it was about how, like, the whole Satan worshipping uh, fear swept through the country in the late 80s and early 90s, and mm-hmm. how one town was basically destroyed by it. But then they had um, a bonus episode about backward masking. Now, I remember oh, when God. I was a kid. Listening to you know the songs backwards and like uh-huh. supposedly like these 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 devil worshipping lyrics are encoded backwards, but do you know that um, the first band to ever use um, intentional backwards lyrics in their song? I forget what what the name of the band was, but it's the same band 
that did the Gilligan's Island theme. So how okay. crazy is that? <laughs> what? So I went from I went from a satanic podcast about about Satanism and you know about uh, all of that stuff, and then just this weird bonus thing to get to this Gilligan's Island trivia. It was it was funny as hell, and I. I <laughs> I forget the name of the band, but and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> well, there, there were there were two bands that did the Gilligan's Island theme. That was like the first season was one group, and then the the one that they did afterwards, where they had the Professor and Mary, was a different band. I don't remember the name of you. I looked it up because I want. The only reason I know this is because I wanted to put the Gilligan's Island theme into that hand washing meme, and I had oh, to yeah. find the lyrics for it. And oh. it was not as simple as you would think to find the lyrics for the guy for the the Gilligan's Island theme. You don't uh, remember the lyrics to the Gilligan's Island theme? I we didn't want to type right them now out. If you want, Rick? Uh, well, he's I can, ingrained. I he's know ingrained them. In my soul. <laughs> I know them, but I didn't want to type them out. I just wanted to copy and paste them. Oh, into the, yeah. the meme generator. <laughs> well, you probably spent more time looking for them <laughs> than you would have spent typing them out. <laughs> probably, yeah. You're. <laughs> Uh, but okay, so the book that I was talking about is called The Minotaur Takes His Own Sweet Time, and it's by Stephen Shirell. It's a sequel to a book that I read a few years ago called The Minotaur Takes a Cigarette Break, which is a, a really good book. The premise is that the Minotaur from mythology is still alive in present day because he's like an immortal being. But since the world has moved on from those stories of you know Greek gods and, and goddesses and all that. He's had to move into just living a normal life, and in the first one, he was working as a he was working as a short order cook in a restaurant, and in this one, he's working. Does, it, does he, he work, look like a minotaur? Yeah, he looks like a minotaur. He he looks like a guy. His he's got the the body of a human, but like a big minotaur bullhead, you know. And and, and he got uh, a job as a short order cook. Yeah, yeah, okay. and he. Uh, but it's like in this world where. Stuff like that is accepted, you know. They're, okay. They, I mean, mythology actually existed in the past of this world, you know, so it's not unheard of. Okay. And uh, but he can't he can't really talk because he has the vocal cords of a bull, you know. He 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 makes noises and he can uh, and he can make his noises s- sort of sound like a word every now and then. So he can get thoughts out, but you know it's in, it's an interesting book. I know it sounds weird the way I'm describing it, but <laughs> well, no. But if, the, if it's a world where magical beings exist, I'm, uh, that's cool. It just seemed odd that you've got this minotaur working at Waffle House. <laughs> no, it's not. It wasn't Waffle House. It was like a steak restaurant or something. And he was he's in he's in the back cooking and stuff. And then and then they decide, hey, you know, we got this minotaur working here. We can have him out working our. Uh, Table side service, you know, slicing up prime rib and all that. So, and then um, that's wrong. And then, (laughs) (laughs) and then in the sequel, the one I'm reading now, he's working for a a reenactment group doing like Civil War reenactments and stuff. (laughs) So he's uh, a minotaur in a in a like a Confederate uniform. (laughs) But. uh, but it's a good book. I, I actually heard about it because I was listening to Alton Brown that does a lot of stuff on the Food Network. He had a podcast. I don't know if he still does. And uh, somebody asked him what his favorite book was, and he said, The Minotaur Takes a Cigarette Break. You know, So I went and looked it up, and I, I listened to that one as an audio book. And then I just found out like a week ago that there was a sequel to it. So I'm, re- I'm reading it now. It's a good book. I like it. Cool. Uh, but that's all I've got. Uh, Rick, what have you been watching? Uh, okay. 
I uh, I haven't been watching much during the quarantine uh, because I have an eight year old. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have watched a few things of late that I would love to relate and and suggest. Um, I went away uh, a few weeks ago to a conference, and uh, while enjoying the solitude of being in my hotel room. Um, I discovered that uh, Altered Carbon Season 2 dropped. Mm-hmm. Yep. I haven't watched it yet. Is it's, it good? It, it's, okay. It is not as good as Season 1. However, it's still, I watched it in three days. Um, it's a great show. I love Altered Carbon. They kind of, if, if you watch Season 1, um... How do I put this delicately? There were a lot of blood and tits in season one. That's delicate. Uh, <laughs> I don't do delicate right now. Um, they really scaled back on the sex and the gore, but there was still plenty of violence in season two. Um, Is it the main character played by a different actor? It's, it's a different actor. It's the dude that plays Falcon in the in the uh, the the, the um, Anthony Mackie. Yeah, in in the the, the MCU, yeah. and he's amazing. He's incredible. He does a great job. Um, but if you if you're familiar with Altered Carbon, the, the the concept of Altered Carbon is that it's in this kind of not too distant future where alien tech has been discovered, and people are able to download their consciousness into a stack, which is a little like kind of disc. Uh, and so your body is really not that important. As long as your stack is fine, you can be downloaded into a different body or what they call them sleeves. And in season one, what you've got is you've got this, this super soldier named um, Tak Takeshi Kovac, uh, who wakes up in a different body, like a hundred years after he went to sleep. Like it, it's it, maybe not a hundred years, but anyway, um, and intrigue ensues. And you've got a you've got a, a a world where uh for certain people bodies are disposable. Uh and there's a definite uh you know haves versus have nots sort of thing. Um and at the end of season one, you're kinda like, wow, that was really cool. How are they ever gonna do a season two? Well, it's based on a series of books that I haven't read yet, but I intend to. Um and season two, Kovac Okay, this may be a bit of a spoiler, but it's no secret, I guess, that the main character is going to be there. Um, is brought back in yet a different body. And um, he's got another mission to perform. But we also see the original Takeshi Kovach and characters that were in the first season come back in the second season. And there's a whole bunch of new stuff. And new characters and new in interest. And, uh, I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't intend to binge the whole thing while I was away from home. It just, it's one of those shows where it's like you get to the end of the an, end of an episode and it's two in the morning and you're like, I've got to be up at six, but I think I can do one more. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, oh, what's, uh, oh, what's the, damn it. I, um, Shoot, I keep forgetting uh, there was Altered Carbon and 
Oh, this is pissing me off. I had an, um, shoot. Um, you're going to have to edit this. I'm Hang on. I, I need to check my, was it a, another sci-fi? Yeah, it was, it was another show the, the that Expanse? I watched. I know you oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Oh, uh, the you. Expanse, <laughs> the Expanse season four is also out. Um, now, I have been reading or, or read slash listened uh, to all eight Expanse books over the last since January. Um, I loved season one of the Expanse or loved seasons one through three of the Expanse. Uh, and then I read the books and the books and the TV shows are different enough that you can really enjoy both separately. Uh, you know, the, the, the TV show they're the same characters, but some of the situations are a little different and they've streamlined. And, and actually, in some ways, the TV show is more complicated than the books, which is kind of the backwards way things usually go. Oh, excuse me. Um, but, uh, season four of The Expanse, which is now on, uh, which went from sci fi to Amazon is really yeah. good. It's really good. Um, but, I have to say that I I I I don't want to say I regret reading the books, but the books are better. <laughs> books are always uh, the book. Yeah. But but it's not it's it, it's not like the TV show is bad. It's just I liked the way they did the story better in the books. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I, hmm, I I haven't seen the series, and based on the way you you talk it up, Rick, I read the first book in the Expanse using my library app. Thank you, Virginia. Um, <laughs> and I found it enjoyable, but it wasn't a very high bar that it set as far as like narrative drama or very compelling. Um, it, it was okay, it was mm-hmm. fine. So I'm wondering if the series, because it gripped you. Um, so, so viscerally, it seemed that you were really jonesing on it for a while. And now you're telling me the books are better. Is it because the books get better? Or oh, yeah. is like oh, yeah. the first, is the first season better than the first book? That's I imagine it would have to, to be. That's hard to say because, uh, you know, I, I, I watched the first three seasons before I read any of the books. Um, mm. It's, it, it, you know, it, it's like, um, I, I had a conversation with, uh, a, a, a guy for my pod for Starbase 66, uh, a show that I'm editing right now, not as we speak, but I'm in the middle of editing it, where we were, we were talking about, uh, Rise of Skywalker and talking about how I really wish I didn't know that Carrie Fisher had passed away before they filmed it. Because the scenes with Carrie Fisher in Rise of Skywalker felt kind of forced and kind of contrived to make the people, you know, they had this footage of Carrie Fush- Fisher. So they're editing from, around her. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, that they, mm-hmm. they, they it turned into over. it turned into Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. <laughs> you might be the only one that gets that reference. Right? I love that movie so much. I've, I've seen that movie. <laughs> Um, but, but I, I was talking, I was talking to, to, uh, this guy, Craig, and we were both like, yeah, it, it felt really, 
contrived because we knew what had happened. But he mentioned that he had a friend who saw it and didn't know that Carrie Fisher died before the movie was made and didn't di- didn't notice mm. that the dialogue didn't quite fit, that it was just kind of like making the, 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 you know, writing the characters around the footage they had of Carrie. Um, and so yeah. I, yeah. I was like, I really wish I could just erase that part of my brain for, you know, just long enough to watch Rise of Skywalker without knowing and would it work better. And I can't, I kind of think it's sort of the same thing with the expanse. Right. Right. Um, I loved the TV. I loved the, sh- the show and I still love the show, but having read the books, there's, there's something that's lost in the show. And I don't know if it's, if it's me or if it's them, you know, it, it's, I, I love them both in different ways, but I did find that having read the book diminished my enjoyment of the series. Well, I mean, it's it's I, I don't want to be like unfair because uh, this is me judging something that I haven't seen and basing an entire book series off of the first book. I found the first book to be, like I said, I um, if the series turns out to be progressively more complex and, and you know, an, an amazing book series. That's my bag more than anything. So I don't know if I'd want to watch the TV show if you're telling me that the books are better. It's kind of like when we had to do um, Green Mile for that Stephen King show I was on. And having seen the movie, I could see where if I had read that book before I saw the Tom Hanks adaptation, um, I would have been blown away by the book. But unfortunately, every good beat in the book is is captured perfectly on screen. So it's like... I I would so much would have preferred to have had the book first and to be fresh with it. Yeah. So that but that's me. That's the way I like to approach my entertainment. I'm always book first guy. Yeah. I and I and I, I you know I I could not put down metaphorically speaking because I was listening to the audiobooks, uh the expanse books. I won't say they're great literature. Um I have found that as I get older, my – I don't want to say my, my – my, I don't want to say my tolerance for bad writing because I've – you know, I, I, I used to be if I started a book, I finished it, whether I liked it or not. And I've gotten way past that. Now I'm like, I don't have time to read bad books. Um, like I've tried to read – I've tried to listen to several books uh, recently – that I've returned to Audible. They've they've got a great return policy. Um, you know, I won't be that asshole that'll get three quarters of the way through a book and then go, yeah, I didn't like it, and re- or or finish it and then pretend I didn't like it, uh, so I can get a you know get a, another book. Um, yeah. But like, um, Boz, who y'all may know, um, from from the Simply Syndicated days, uh, recommended mm-hmm. uh he, he, one of his his favorite author is Scott Sigler. And I've never read any of Scott Sigler's books, but I hear they're fantastic. And then, he, often, he has a lot of free stuff that you can listen to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's it's never been a matter of cost. It's just been a matter of, uh, you know, just time and and, and whatever. Um, so he did a an Alien. He did a book in the Alien series that's on Audible. Uh, it's called Alien Phalanx. 
And I was like, all right, cool. This, this, you know, this seems like the perfect opportunity for me to get into, into Sigler. And Boz is like, oh yeah, this book is awesome. And Matt Zupka also was like, you know, this book is great. And so I listened to like an hour and a half of it up to, up through chapter seven. And the story hadn't really started yet. Mm. And I'm like, I, 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 I texted him. I'm like, is this going to start doing anything anytime soon? Because right now I'm bored as hell. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, real world building. And I'm like, you know, I'm all for world building, but (laughs) I need something to happen soon. And then I started reading reviews and stuff. And I realized this just, this book just isn't for me. And I, and I returned it and, and, uh, uh, got something else. And now I'm listening to, um, I'm listening to the Star Trek Picard novel, uh, last best hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I have a problem with it, but it's not the book's fault. It's the situation that JJ Abrams created, which is kind of similar to, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien going back and taking the Hobbit that he wrote for his 11 year old niece and trying to turn it into a book for adults. Um, well, I know that Tolkien edited, um, the Hobbit. Oh, this is an interesting discussion. Yeah. I know that in the original version of The Hobbit that Tolkien wrote, I think like Gollum gave Frodo the ring in kind of a friendly manner. <laughs> and it wasn't until he sort of reworked it with the riddles in the dark and, you know, I guess in the broader context of Lord of the Rings and the even broader context of the Sumerian, Sumerian, I can never say that. Um, but it's like an author willing to go back and edit himself to improve yeah. the story. Yeah. And I, yeah. And which was fine. I, you know, and, you know, Lord of the Rings is, is by all rights a classic, if a bit long winded. Um, but, you know, he took a story that he wrote for a child and then had to alter it to work for adults. And while ostensibly Abrams was writing, you know, was creating movies for adults, the premise of a supernova endangering the whole freaking galaxy, uh, or the whole universe, as they said in the in, in Star Trek 2009, uh, was patently ridiculous. And Star Trek Picard is working on a premise that this supernova that's going to take out the Romulan uh, homeworld is endangering more than just that system, and they're not really going into it in too much depth. Uh, and it's putting a false sense of urgency on the whole uh, uh, rescue effort that I'm really finding hard to get around. And I, I appreciate the author's attempts to work with this ludicrous premise. Right. Uh, but it's making, making it very hard for me to enjoy the book. Uh, although, you know, it, it, it's not for lack of craft on the author's part. Yeah. I thought he did a good job with, uh, with what he was given to work with. Yeah. Um, I just tried to focus on some of the other stuff. I, I'm trying really hard to do that. It's kind of like, you know, Star Trek Six, The Undiscovered Country. The basic premise is ludicrous, but the point of it was to make a, a statement about current events. You know, it was it was as subtle as the uh, the Let That Be Your Last Battlefield with the, you know, black on one side, white on the other, white on one mm-hmm. side, black on the other people. And it's and I'm trying to look at this with the same thing. It's 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 a an allegory for the refugee situation in the world right now and and our you know, our border con, you know, border situations and stuff. Uh 
but the premise is so ludicrous for what is normally a relatively serious science fiction universe that I'm really having to kind of bite down every time I, I listen to it. It's it's a it's a well told story, and it's a well written story thus far. I, I just get over it, man. Get over it. I'm, I'm trying. Enjoy the book. Allow yourself to enjoy the book. I it's want okay. to. I really want to. This is not something I want my head to do to me. It's like I have always been a canonist, an involuntary canonist. I've rarely been able to enjoy Star Trek novels because if they divert, diverge from what should be, quote unquote, uh, or what has been, and 90% of them do, 99% of them do. I'm calling bullshit on that right there. How many of them have you read? A lot more than I used to. I, I well, read. are you reading them the the post like the continuation after the series, or are you reading the stuff that came out, you know, back in the in the eighties, basically the TOS novels? Well, because it was, it, they were adhering to canon like crazy in those books. It, it, yeah, it, m- most of what I read was back. Although I've read some it was was back then during the the. the I'm not saying they were all good, no but. You know, yeah, that's that's when I was reading them too, and I'm not saying they were all good, but you can't say that they were going as, so far afield as to not be recognizable to what we've seen on screen. A lot of them really tried to expand on what we saw on screen. Sometimes, yeah, uh, I thought Enterprise was one of the best novels I ever read, and uh, and Enterprise they, the first adventure, yeah, uh, you know, except for a, a Pegasus on the hangar deck, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the only problem I really ever had with those books back in the day was that the the the, the stakes are never very high because uh, because you know uh, well this character can't die because they're in yeah. the show and well, so you know they Simon Schuster would let you they would give you the toys and give you the sandbox and say you can play as much as you want but you can't you can't take anything out yeah, <laughs> you know although but, did y'all did Chris did you ever read How Much for Just the Planet. Yeah, I, I thought that, that was one was awful. <laughs> I thought that one was okay. Uh, it was one of the worst I mean, books I ever we read. We could have a whole podcast about Star Trek novels. <laughs> yes, we could. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I'll, um, I'll say that some of the, 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 the TNG books I read, like uh, Devil's Heart and uh, I think I read Imzadi um, and Sarek. Did I read Sarek? And Crispin? Uh, I think so. See, it's, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Read since Q squared. Q squared is one of my favorite Star Trek novels. I read Q but, squared on my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I read Desperate Measures or Desperate Times, the first Discovery book, and it, it, oh, it was terrible. And I know people think it was great. And I'm sorry, David Mack was is, is a really nice guy, but I uh, that's I could do a whole show about why I didn't like that book. Anyway, All right. uh, oh, uh, before before I let I I uh, 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 cede the floor, I just want to fanboy a little bit about the fact that uh, uh, Rosario Dawson is officially going to be playing Ahsoka Tano in the Mandalorian season two, and I'm so freaking stoked about that. Well, Twitter is not agreeing with you there. Well, Variety and SciFi.com have have uh, said it so. They're not well, going to be being excited. Twitter, Twitter is not excited about it. Oh, it's a, we can have a whole podcast about this, but twi- but uh, Rosario Dawson has been accused of some things that happened last year, 
that uh, I'm, I'm not going to go entirely into it. Uh, basically, she, her and her family are accused of attacking a trans person that was working for them. Nothing's been proven. She hasn't gone to court over anything, but Twitter has been attacking Star Wars over making the, they want they want her to be recast. Oh, so I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't mean it'll happen, and it doesn't mean that she actually did it. It's just you know, it's an accusation. It's out there. I don't know. All right, I'll look into it. Um. <laughs> All right, Chris. I know. I know you guys is like midnight for you guys. But Chris, what have you been? What have you been watching? <laughs> well, I've been um, watching and reading, uh, of course, Picard, and uh, we talk about that on the other show on your network. But the one thing that um, I've been really watching lately is Enterprise, and it's because of Picard. There was one comment, and I do not remember how it came up, but it was probably on Trek Movie or whatever when I was reading the comment section, and they said um, they they brought up the Enterprise episode Damage or Damages, which was a late season three episode during the Zindi arc. And it, it was basically an episode where the Enterprise needed some kind of warp um, equipment, like spare parts, and they attacked a weaker ship and stole the equipment, leaving that ship yeah. with, you know, some extra food and some extra kind of compound and, you know, you can get home in three years. And from there, I just I don't know why I just kept watching and watching and watching. And I was finding myself strangely um, enjoying the Zindi arc where I never did before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got to that utter bullshit World War Two aliens <laughs> on Earth. And I said, oh, that's why I hated Enterprise. But then season four came on and I I, I got to tell you, I would put season four of Enterprise up against um, any of whatever you might consider classic Trek. I think they did so many good and interesting stories in season four. It was the first time the cast actually came to life as an ensemble. It was the, they were writing the show properly, I think. And I just it's funny. I got up this morning at uh, 630 because I'm an old man now and I wake up early. I wake up with the sun <laughs> and uh, I sat down to edit my podcast and I said, you know what? I have like three episodes of Enterprise left. Let me go watch that instead. And um, I finished like my season for a rewatch this morning. The only one I skipped was Bound, the one with the Orion Slave Women, because it's such a dumb episode. Yeah. But, you know, and here's the other thing that I was watching In a Mirror Darkly, part one and part two, which is their Mirror Universe episode. Mm-hmm. And you my know what? Favorite Mirror Universe episode. Screw, screw you. Everyone who thinks that the TOS Enterprise would not work in HD, would not work for a modern audience. That ship is absolutely beautiful. And I loved the the outside. I loved sort of the visual reboot on Discovery. I hated the interior of – I still hate the interior of the visual reboot for Discovery for the Enterprise. I think that the original Constitution class, as posited in the 60s, holds up wonderfully – on you know on a modern platform hd but that's me being an old man um that being said uh scott bacula was maybe the worst i've ever seen him (laughs) he was so (laughs) bad in those mirror universe episodes he was just chewing the scenery and i know that was kind of the point but holy crap but anyway i finished uh, i finished enterprise this morning um and i'm really happy i did then i went back to my ds9 rewatch i'm sort of keeping up with mission log now and again, season four of DS9, 
It's just it's it's one amazing episode after another. I mean, they're just knocking it out of the park. So um, I know that I had mentioned this on the other show, Sean, uh, on, on, on Star Trek All Access, just the difference between the way they're telling the stories in Picard and in Discovery, as opposed to sort of that that classic Trek of the 90s. And I'm really grooving on sort of that storytelling style at the moment. As far as other TV stuff, um, not really watching much of anything. I guess Walking Dead. I just caught up with that. Um, there were a whole I bunch of them. I caught up with that. I'm, yeah. I'm way behind on that. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them on my DVR. And so I just I just kind of watched them one night and I, I kind of cleared out the queue. I completely stopped with Flash. I just can't take it anymore. I'm just done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After Crisis, and Crisis was kind of a pile of crap too, but it was a fun pile of crap, but it was still a pile of crap. I only made it through three seasons of Flash. Yeah. But other than Crisis this year was a lot of fun. I agree. There was a lot of stuff in there that they probably they probably could have done the Crisis in three episodes instead of five. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was it was still a lot of fun. I kind of like seeing Tom Welling again as Clark. So yeah, that was. I mean, that was was worth the price of admission. Um, as and I just discovered that there's a new season of Arrested Development on Netflix, so I'm probably going to try that. Oh really? Oh, I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah, it's this. Oh. Well, let's put it this way: it's new to me. It's oh. it's oh. not the it's not the first one that they did where it was weird because they couldn't have everybody at the same time. Uh-huh. And I think they completely remixed that season to make it more like the Fox series, like the Fox yeah. version of Arrested Development. So this is the season that comes after that. So I you guys might have already watched it. After that. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I've watched that yet. I didn't know that. I knew that they had done the remix. But I didn't know that they had right. So this, yeah, this is post remix, and I watched okay. the first. I watched the first episode tonight, so I've, I'll probably give that a shot. But I've been mainly I've been reading a lot, and um, Rick, you were talking about the Star Trek novels. Um, I've been reading a lot of the DS9 relaunch novels over the last couple of years, but I actually just read my first next gen novels um, by David Mack. And I forget what they were called, but it was basically the Borg one that you interviewed him about, Sean, on Prime Direction. Destiny. Destiny, yeah. yeah. And it's it, a trilogy, yeah. Yeah, and I liked it a lot because it had next-gen stuff, but it also had um, Enterprise-era stuff because the Columbia played a big part in the mm-hmm. story. And it was I, – I thought it was a pretty satisfying story overall. Um, there were some truly terrible lines, but um, <laughs> you know that's to be expected. Like the whole Troy Riker thing I could do without, but – other than that, I, I thought it was a pretty compelling sort of history of the Borg um, as we had seen them on the screen. You know, it satisfied me. I'm not precious about next gen. So yeah. I was like, yeah, this is a fun story. Yeah. Destiny is like, let's let's take all the characters in all of the Star Trek franchises and try and do a story that involves all. So it's just a Star Trek story and not a Star Trek right. next generation, and Deep I, Space Nine, whatever. It's just everybody yeah i like that i like that a lot because that's right because wasn't it was esri in the very first chapters mm-hmm, so yeah, yeah so they even yeah they brought ds9 into it as well but i just recently um went to a bookstore in vermont when laura and i went away for christmas and i found two neat science fiction books one was called this is how you lose the time war by max gladstone and amal l motar and it was all right. It's about two agents on different sides uh, in a time war who uh, eventually fall in love. And it's it's an epistolatory novel. So it's it's in the form of letters that they write to each other. 
as they're fighting the war. And it turned out to be a little bit more like a little bit more poetry at the end. It was it was more about sort of them expressing their feelings for each other than it was about plot. And it was different. I've been looking for different things because I feel like, uh, you know, if like you said, Rick, I used to be the kind of guy that if I was reading a book, I would read it to the end, even if I didn't like it, because I made a commitment. I'm going to read this book. And now if I the first hundred pages, it's just like, screw you. Yeah. You know, I can't. I, I'm going to die soon. There are too many books. that I could read. <laughs> So I'm reading now also in the in that bookstore in Vermont. I found one called Famous Men Who Never Lived by um, a woman named Kay Chess. And this one is really good. It's about like people from an alternate earth where like a uh, like a terrorist attacks and war is raging. So they send, um, you know, a few thousand people over to our earth. And they are these universally displaced people that are now living in, you know, living in our society and sort of their adjustment. And it's more of a social sciences, but it's got sort of a neat premise because they bring some literature over with them that doesn't exist here. And this woman is obsessed with one author because there's a certain point where our history diverges from their history. And she traces it back to the death of this one author who wrote a very famous book in in her reality, a science fiction book. And she has the book, but she lost it. Somebody stole it. So she's trying to get it back and she's kind of slowly going insane. And it's it's kind of an interesting book. Um, and just last week, I bought a book called The Seep by a woman named Chana Porter. And it is basically about like an alien invasion but like a soft invasion where they just sort of slowly seep in and take over our reality it's not like you know fire from above but like trans-dimensional invasion and the unlikely escape of uriah heap which is almost like the thursday next novels it's about two brothers that own a bookstore but they have the power to bring the people out of the pages of the book the characters out of the pages of the book so that to me sounds that's going to be like my popcorn read as soon as I get done with the this stuff that I'm I'm trying to, you know, again, just trying to broaden my horizons a little bit, yeah. not just read Star Trek books, not just read <laughs> Stephen King books, because before this, I read Dr. Sleep, too. And I've been wanting to read that for years. I've had the book on my shelf for, I don't know, four or five years. And I finally got around to it a couple of months ago. And it was all right. I thought it was fun. Have you seen the movie yet? I did. I did. OK. And you like it. Yes and no. I thought the movie it it had it it had to serve two masters. It had to be an adaptation of the Stephen King novel, which is a sequel to the novel version of The Shining. Yet right. they tried to make the movie while doing that a sequel to the movie version of The Shining. So they had to incorporate a lot of stuff from both. And I I, I laud their effort, but I I found it to be. I found it to be all right. You know, what did you think? Did you see the movie? I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of the of the Shining, the the movie, the original mm-hmm. movie. But uh, it's just not one of my favorite Stephen King. It's not one of Stephen King's favorite Stephen King movies. No, no, he but, hates that movie. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of adapting the book and still trying trying to incorporate some of the stuff from the movie. They did. Yeah, it's not like they didn't. I didn't feel like they like really chained themselves to it. They just tried to incorporate some of it, and most of it was towards the end. Yeah, Uh, but I mean, they did have some. They did have some stuff towards the beginning and and all that when showing the the woman from the from room 
whatever it is. I don't remember. Room 237? yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought that the the stuff that I saw at the end that was incorporating the original movie uh, was kind of nostalgic, you know. If you if that if you're a fan of that movie, uh, I think they were was, they were yeah. banking on the, the the cult status that the Kubrick film has since garnered. Um, and I know that a lot of people are crazy about it. As a matter of fact, I sort of got like way too into it a few years ago and they put out that, that documentary room 237. I think that's the room anyway, where they, they went through some of the kooky conspiracy theories that surround the movie and sort of, you know, like Kubrick faked the moon landing and was, you know, killed by the the Illuminati for trying to expose secrets of, you know, it it was just like this whole weird, like if you want to go down the shining cul-de-sac, this was, this was the documentary for you. It was just, it was just really interesting. And after I saw that, I started to watch too many YouTube videos about like, like Kubrick. And (laughs) I just, (laughs) I went way down the rabbit hole on that one for a little while. So um, I feel like I don't know if I burned out on it, but I wasn't as excited to see them revisit the Overlook, the movie version of the Overlook in Doctor Sleep as I thought I would be. It just yeah. it at the end, it just struck me as a little bit hollow. It's just like, OK, well, Danny's back there, but that was never Danny's story. That was Jack's right. story, you know? Yeah. And the fact that they tried to cast actors that looked like Shelley Duvall and, and uh, Jack Nicholson. To make it like, see, see, this really is the movie universe. It, it just that to well, me that took me out of it. Yeah, he basically sees Jack's ghost, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't really look like Jack. It <laughs> it looks like somebody pretending to be him. That's exactly you know? it. So it's this guy cosplaying Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. So it was right. yeah, it was weird. Anyway, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at quantumleappodcast.com. Uh, there you can subscribe to my podcast, the Quantum Leap Podcast, where me and my co-hosts, Allison and Matt, talk about Quantum Leap. All right. Virginia, what about you? Um, you can find me and my boyfriend, Shane, right here on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. We do a show called Wait You've Never Seen, where we talk about movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. Um, also before we go, I just want to say, um, that I think we, I can speak for everyone when I say thank you to all of the nurses, doctors, grocery store workers, pharmacists, everybody who's like doing what they need to do and can't stay home. So all of us should stay home to like protect them. That's all. You're here. And news reporters, because, you know, they're letting us know what's going on. There's. I've, some of our of some of our local news reporters I've seen on our, on the local news they look like they haven't slept in four or five days. I feel bad for them, but yeah. <laughs> All right, Rick, what about you? Oh, you can find me at uh, StarbaseCommand.net. Uh, all the podcasts I do over at the Infinite Diversity Network, or here on Cosmic Potato, or Captain Game Show, or Twitter at uh, Admiral Marius. Uh, and basically I'm doing nothing else. So, uh, you'll, you'll be able to talk to me in real time. If for some God awful reason you want to. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. That's going to pretty much do it for us. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks because Picard is ending next week. After that, that, we'll have some regular content for you guys on this feed. So uh, be sure to come back and, and check that out. If you want to get in touch with us, hang out for a few minutes and we'll let you know how you can do that. But uh, 
Be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato the Super Fan Talk Podcast when you might hear John tell you to wash your hands and don't touch your face. <laughs> <laughs> I know Rick hates the whole alternative, alternate reality, um, you know, multiverse concept, but um, I believe that there's a lot of versions of Rick that love it. Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast.